Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, a senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm their podcast producer. Okay, this week on More to Come, uh, Karen Berger, executive editor of Vertigo, uh, leaves the company. Um, Gail Simone, uh, writer for Batgirl and other DC Comics um, series, has been fired uh, by email. Carol Burrell <laughs> uh, leaves Graphic Universe for Abrams Comic Arts. Uh, and Image Comics is ending second printings of, uh, of sellouts. Or are they? <laughs> <laughs> or are they? And, um, uh, and we've got at least one uh, really terrific uh, graphic novel for you to check out. So, um, and uh, where are we? Oh. Let's start. Karen Berger. Yes. Uh, well, that's uh, end of the year, uh, comings and goings. And um, it was announced a couple weeks ago that uh, Karen Berger would be stepping down in March from her position as executive editor at Vertigo. Um, she's a 33-year veteran of D.C., so mm-hmm. I think she'll get a pretty decent pension. Um, but, you know, all eyes on uh, what she accomplished and what will she do next. Quite a legacy, uh, a publishing legacy at, at Vertigo. Absolutely. Um, Started in uh, 1993. Right. She's been the only editor there or executive editor. That's right. Uh, That's uh, right. um, She's, her her list is like a a who's who of of creators who have really kind of changed comics. Yeah. Well, I mean, Karen was the editor on Swamp Thing with Alan Mm -hmm. Moore, although she did not discover Alan Moore. Mm -hmm. That would have been Len Wein. But Mm -hmm. um, she was an editor on that. And she also edited Sandman, which brought Neil Gaiman in and um, many other books that were uh, definitely not in the superhero mold. And that was what led to the founding of the Vertigo imprint Mm -hmm. uh, at DC, where they showcased Grant Morrison, Garth Ennis, uh, more Neil Gaiman... um, Gosh, who else? As well as uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Bill, Willingham, Bill Willingham, Jason Aaron, yeah. uh, Brian Wood. Yes. Um, I yeah. mean, the list just goes on and on and on of, uh, the, you know, of innovation. Um, so, you know, why did she go? Where is she going? I mean, nobody's really had a, 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 an answer to that. Um, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, people have sort of been waiting for another shoe to drop at Vertigo since the, the DC Comics reorganization. Yes. Because their sales were shitty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not to be, you know, Not everybody. You know, it's, fu- it. it's funny because everybody uh, after Karen was announced leaving, even though the press release that everyone at DC uh, was like, "Oh no, Vertigo's going on, Vertigo's going on," but like this, the web and everywhere flooded with elegies because their sales have been very low for quite a while. So I mean, there was a little bit of a feeling of, you know, are, is this going on? But it kind of makes you wonder if there's going to be something called Vertigo, which. Bears, no resemblance to Vertigo. Well, there is. <laughs> there definitely is. I mean, if you've seen interviews with Bob Wayne and John Cunningham this week, uh, they're all like, yes, we are going on with Vertigo. And supposedly there is some internal reorganization going on, uh, which they haven't announced yet. But, um, you know, the, the, the imprint won't go on. Will it go and on? And, and they, their, their media people say that the, that the leadership of Vertigo uh, will be, uh, be chosen from among this uh, veteran group of editors. That's yes, they're having an arena. Sure. I know. I mean, and that would be, I mean, Shelley Bond. Yeah, Shelley Bond and, is, um, uh, 
among others. Uh, among others, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's really been revealed yet. Um, I, I mean, I think what is kind of true, if you really look at what's coming out from Vertigo now, that's that's getting a big push. They just did that uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yes. Uh, yes. adaptation, and that they yes. spent quite also, a bit of money to yeah, market I'm it in sure TV ads and everything. So, I mean, you know, an adapted book based on a beloved novel is not what Vertigo was known for. It's certainly Even not what they... It was a dark... Right, book, dark, edgy happy. book. Yeah. It's also on the bestseller list, and yes. volume two comes out. Yes, exactly. So, year. I mean, they've had success with that book mm-hmm. for sure. But, I, I, I mean, uh, the other book that they have coming out that they've been... Um, Promoting quite a bit is the Django Unchained uh, adaptation, oh, which yeah. is an adaptation of a mm-hmm. movie. And the other big mm-hmm. project that's coming out is uh, Sandman, kind of a before Sandman book mm-hmm. for the end of 2013. So, I mean, I think, you know, I, well, did Karen leave? Was she pushed? I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that if you look at what's coming out for Vertigo now, it's kind of a changed mm-hmm. uh, emphasis. And I'm sure they'll be doing new things also. But, um, you know, I mean, things, things Certainly change. Certainly a, a kind of sleeper book. Uh, didn't they do Prince of Cats? Yes, uh, but you're, we're the only people who really like yeah, that book. It's like, a total like, sleeper. Like among the ten, no ten, the ten people who have read yeah. it all love it. But, yeah. uh, you know, they really did not promote that book. And if you look at the graphic novels that have been coming out from Vertigo mm. prior to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, they didn't really get too much marketing, except for maybe get Jiro. But, um, yeah. you know, I mean, that's yeah. what happens when... Yes. Um, Which is not a bad book, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, well, uh, more to come. There's certainly a Vertigo. Mm-hmm. The Vertigo Watch really continues now on a, yes. on a different basis. Right. Uh, it was ongoing anyway. Um, but there's certainly an, there's an eye on where that yes. this, the the impact was such a, a legacy where it's, where right. it's going in the new year. Um, uh, now on to more comings and goings. Uh, Gail Simone uh, fired by by email. <laughs> fired by email. Announced it on Twitter. Uh, um, just sort of saying, you know, that she had been fired by email from Batgirl, and this is particularly confusing to fans because the sales of Batgirl were actually quite good. Uh, on average, forty thousand, fifty thousand. Um, a more recent issue managed to um, come in seventeen on the Diamond chart at over seventy-seven thousand issues. So, you know, the numbers were good. People were speculating. Um, it is true that her contract was up, but it is a little abrupt and out of the blue. I mean, from a fan's perspective, who knows what things are like behind the scenes. Yes. Well, I do think fans will support the, the The writer of issue 17 hasn't been announced, but a two-issue fill-in by writer Ray Fox uh, has been announced. Uh, do you think fans will support that, Kate? I have no idea. Um, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone will, will like blame the other writers brought on after, mm. but... I think people who were there for her, and a lot of people were, I mean, a lot of readers, and no, not just women, are big Gail Simone fans, mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, they'll just read whatever she writes, and if she's not writing it, then they might not read it. Well, I, you know, if you read uh, Gail's Twitter, she's been very, she's always a very vocal t- tweeter, and, uh, you know, she's sounded very upbeat in the days since then, and it sounds like uh, a lot of people have reached out, and she has a lot of opportunities, and, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a, just kind of a... Um, uh, in the and you know in these days, um, if you put all your eggs in one basket, that's just not a good idea. Unless you're Brian Michael Bendis, and even he someday will be uh, not Brian Michael Bendis anymore. You know, Didn't so she I, have like a hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter. She does have a Kickstarter campaign, campaign so coming out. Her eggs were not in one. Yes, yeah, so, so sure. Megalop, yes, so her her eggs. She had already been been tossing <laughs> eggs into uh, different She's baskets, spreading her eggs around. Yes, a spreading bit, her eggs around. So and um, <laughs> I'm sure Gail will be absolutely. Absolutely fine. I mean, whatever happened, I, you know, something like sixty percent of uh, the 
uh, creators. I think it was like 30. Um, I'm, well, now I'm, I'm getting them wrong, but I just read this other tweet that said 30 out of the 52 books that started at the new 52 have already had creative changes. So that's 50% anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more than 50%. Yeah. Uh, so but get, usually there's some reasoning given... Or, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure there is. I mean, I, I'll say this. I mean, I know uh, several. I've seen sort of the 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 outgoing Twitter, the, the uh, outgoing tweets from some people leaving books, and they don't seem to have any more right. understanding of why they were uh, they were fired <laughs> as as Simone does. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you know, there's a lot of sleuthing to do out yeah. there. <laughs> I'm not sure with either of these cases that some people will like the answers that they find, though. So. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. Be careful what you. Yes. Ask be careful about, what you sne- snoop you into. Get an <laughs> okay. okay. Well, in happier news, um, well, I guess happier news yeah. uh, for uh, happier for happy some for, for, for uh, Abrams. Car- Cotchman, yes. Uh, uh, Carol Burrell is uh, leaving her edit- her post as editorial director at Learner Graphic Universe uh, to take a job as editor at. Um, uh, Abrams Comic Arts and Amulet Books, which is uh, the publisher of things like Diary of a Wimpy Kid yes. and My Friend Dahmer and uh, a lot of other pretty yes, pretty yes. good yeah. books. Uh, I mean, a they whole range of, yeah. of historical works on comics. Yes, I mean it's a, uh, Abrams Comics Art is really developed into a very impressive list Absolutely. of comics Absolutely. and comics related been works. For quite some time. Yes. 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 Under direction of. Uh, yeah. Charlie Kochman, yes. um, and um, yeah, we knew he was looking for a senior editor. Yes. Now, what's interesting is she, she's left an editorial director position to essentially take a senior editor's position. Uh, yeah, well, under you know, Charlie. Some, some people don't want to rule in hell. Yeah, Alvin, so, <laughs> well, you know. that's true. <laughs> well, she was the editorial director. She started the Graphic Universe uh, right. imprint. Uh, they went from nothing to roughly twenty-five to thirty books a year. They're primarily aimed at the educational and library market, but uh, under Carol, they really did start to bring in foreign language licenses, uh, which she translated right. from the French in, yes. in, as well, uh, including Eastern Europe. I mean, some of the books have really been getting attention. Uh, what's that? Game of Swallows. Mm, uh, right, yes. Uh, Little White Duck. Yes, Little White uh, Duck has been... Really about a, a, a Chinese woman's biography, uh, memoir. Um... Uh, the Elsewhere Chronicles, uh, they did uh, these wonderful they just manga the little man series. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Carol, I, I mean, Calvin, I know you and I are both friends and both huge mm. admirers of Carol. I mean, there is no greater polymath in the comics industry. Yeah. She is and a, a cartoonist herself. She's a cartoonist herself who does the SPQR blues. I guess mm-hmm. she had to actually give up on, she was supposed to adapt Octavia Butler's, and, and I think even the mighty Carol had to give that up. I think, yeah. But, think, uh, yeah. Because it was too much, but I mean, she took the learner line from really kind of, um, from, from you know, nothing, nothing, and nothing, and nothing. To a serious, very serious, yes. and and the books are showing up on the best of list for 2012. And I mean, Abrams was a brilliant to snap her up, I think. Oh, and um, you know, I mean, given uh, you know, she's a real, she's a real um, asset to any organization, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really excited to see what she does. Uh, but you know, what's left at Learner? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there was that that. Um, Power list that came out in Bleeding Cool magazine, and which everybody was a hullabaloo about. And you know, every time there were, everybody disagreed, Rich is like, "Well, you know, this person can they get comics made? You know, and if they left, would it be there anymore?" And I, I you know, by that ranking, he should have put Carol Burrell, who wasn't even on the list, you know, in the top yeah. twenty because she created an entire line. And and you know, I, I who knows who will take it over or, yeah. or how it will continue without her. Well, there's some 
thought to Robin Chapman, mm-hmm. you know, who was an assistant. Yes, editor but there. she denied yeah. that on Facebook. So yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's her name is attached, so that so right. you have to talk right. about her, right? Uh, whether she'll get the gig or not. Um, uh, but it's it, it certainly is a is a, a terrific development for Abram Comic yes, Talk, which absolutely. just you know the rich just get get richer. Yes, indeed. Know, so so. Uh, okay, moving right along. Okay, um, I used to think that a comic selling out was like the whole idea. Well, it is, except when people still want to buy the comic. So Image Comic, I mean, there's been a lot. You know, there's a lot of sellouts. Every day there's a press release that goes out from some company about how we sold out this or that. And a lot of times the uh, some companies purposely short their orders so they can sell out. Um, you know, uh, some of them purposely short so they can sell out and then do a variant cover that can then is sold on eBay. Um People go into the stores and pick up the, what's the sellers announced. They go in and they snap up all the existing mm-hmm. copies. But uh, Image has been a little bit, uh, they just sent out some a rather testy response saying that they could not continue to reprint every issue of Proven Sellers yeah. because it costs money to go back to yeah. press. And, and it takes time. I mean, it's got, it takes the, the time. issues have to be shipped. It takes weeks, I guess, from mm-hmm. between order or months, I guess. Right. Between uh, a printing that's ordered and when it actually is delivered right. to stores, right? And they, uh, you know, the example that was given was Saga, which has yeah. been absolutely one of the top sellers of of um, twenty twelve, uh, probably right behind Walking Dead mm-hmm. in terms of image. I mean, sales have actually gone up. I mean, the critical acclaim is incredible. And uh, the first six issues came out. They took a little break while the trade came out, so the artists could catch up a little bit. Uh, but only two months. You know, they came back exactly when they said they would. And um, uh, but retailers, I think orders did go up, but uh, still it sold out right away. And I think there was some frustration on Images' part, like you know, you guys, the trade is out. We know this book exists. You know what it sells, and like, why are you are you depending on the second issue? So there was some, uh, but there was some butthurt retailers just about the tone of the message that came out from Image. Yeah. But just publisher being right. That. But yeah. just before we sat down, Eric Stevenson, the publisher, came out and. Um, uh, and really made uh, the retailers a, uh, a, a an offer they they well, he could not responded to his yes. his market. But yeah, but he also said that they're going to do huge discounts on it too. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes. trying to see what he, what he said that we're going to reprint yeah. Saga number seven. We're going to offer the reprint at a massive discount for the second printing. Every account ordering 25 copies or more will get them at an 80 percent discount, making your cost copyright around 60 60 cents. For any order fewer than 25, we'll be extending Images maximum discount to you, regardless of years of discount. That's huge. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that's so like, it's like to make nice after it is sort of like a bridging. Over to the new model? It is. It is to make nice. But I mean, it's also like if you, I think, you know, shared risk and shared reward is the watchword of the direct sales market. I mean, if you can't sell Saga, you can't sell anything, (laughs) you you know? I mean, come on, people. Um, you know, if you're gonna sell an image comic, that's the image comic well, that's gonna yeah. sell. Yes, that or Walking Dead. But I, I mean, it's, there was there's blame or there's there's good points on both sides. But it's interesting. I mean, I do think people not in the comics industry will be a little bit surprised at the notion that you wouldn't reprint 
uh, an issue that was in great demand and had sold out. Well, I, but the economics but, but actually don't really support But they're trying to encourage yeah. retailers to be more responsible with their FOC orders. Okay. That's so why. And define FOC and orders. First, the for final our, order cutoff. Okay. It's like basically, you, it's almost so you can see what the first issue sells before you order the second issue. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. very fi- much fine tune up or down so, right. to order. So you have time. The retailers have time actually to say, hey, I'm running yeah. out. And, and to put another order in. Or well, no, 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 they no, don't. No, 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 no. That's no, before no, the can't. first printing. Yes, that's sorry. before printing. So they still need to guesstimate. But, I mean, the whole point is, like, the, the ongoing problem with so many stores is they order only what is pre-ordered. Yes. You know, and so there's never any shelf copies. And if you're trying to get new readers, you have to have mm-hmm. shelf copies. So I do understand the frustration on the part of some image creators that... Uh, these books are selling out, and then they're not available for four weeks when they might have had great reviews yes. and might have had good yes. promo and good marketing, and you know. So, but what I mean, about the practice of overprinting? Well, the, they did. Image mm-hmm. has been overprinted quite a bit. You In know? other words, printing beyond yes, the initial pre-orders. And you, you know, know, you know, Marvel, because they assume it'll be more. Marvel did not do reprints for years, mm-hmm. and they sold more because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was hated, but they did not do reprints. And they this is before Final Order uh, FOC program began. For, for people who may not understand how the direct market works, in the direct market, retailers order through pre- previews. And it comes out monthly. They order what they, what they want to buy, and that's what publishers base their printing on. This doesn't happen in the rest of the publishing world. No, it doesn't. And also in the rest of the publishing world, on fan websites, internal memos from uh, publishers to their retailers are not like front page news and that all the fans get in and start arguing about who's right or wrong. So, I mean, I think it's a very, very valid question in terms of business as uh, to whether retailers are being aggressive enough in ordering projects mm-hmm. they know they can sell, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's really where it's, it's at. It's an understandable and concern on any yeah, part. Absolutely. No, absolutely. You know? And maybe the message wasn't delivered in a very palatable way, but now I think Eric Stevenson has come back and made them a really fantastic. And, you know, if orders a saga don't soar because of this, then whose mm-hmm. fault is it? And I think it's a really interesting look at the mechanics of the direct market. You know, because some aspects of it are a little bit counterintuitive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but I mean, you know, one other thing though, we are talking about periodicals. We're not talking about trade paperbacks. We're not talking about books. We're talking about periodicals. And reprinting periodicals is unusual. Is definitely unusual. Mm -hmm. So, moving on to the news briefs. Yes, the news briefs. We're returning to a story which had been mentioned in passing in a previous podcast. Manga, Kuroko Basketball, created by Tadatoshi Fujimaki, um, has been played by death threats, basically. Uh, anywhere there's an event that in some way, shape, or form is featuring this manga, they have received arson threats, they have cons- received anthrax threats, yeah. they have it's anything. T- it's like terrorism. Astonishing. It's, it's terrorism based on a manga. It's yeah. very strange. And it's, it's really quite an innocent manga. It's just about a basketball team. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. really hates it. That is crazy. I've heard that there's some guy who loves slam dunk and thinks that... I mean, this is one of the, the theories I've heard. There are any number heard. of theories. And, one theory and is, that hates is, it, that is that there is a crazy fan of another basketball yeah, manga. Yeah. Because God forbid you have two manga about the same thing. 
you think the giant robot fans would have killed but each other by now. This is, it's really um, disturbing that some psycho kids not only intimidating the, the, the author and his audience, but really giant institutions like Comic-Con. Well, actually, not the author. The author oh, that, excuse is, me, you're right. The author has, can, has, has is determined... Has published... Yeah. No, you're right. ...publicly announced that he does not care what threats are made against him. He is going to continue yeah. with his comic... And um, but in, but <laughs> the people that are around him seem to be a little bit nervous. Yes, um, Kamiket has forbidden anyone to have any Dujinshi or anything art, anything based on Kuroko basketball, or else they can't. Wow! They can't Just for for fear that this guy is going to come and like this, like this guy did indeed send a credible threat to mm-hmm. Kamiket, um, but they instead of you know boosting security or anything, they just. Yeah, they ban the manga. I mean, it's it's really kind of makes your head spin. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an astonishing story and one we will continue to follow with interest. Uh, And our sympathies go out to the manga creator and his fans. Yeah, it's Uh, Yeah, and a great number of events connected with his manga have been canceled because of this crazy person. Okay, Um, speaking of things that are arguably crazy... Uh, DC has on a much lighter note, DC has announced that they are returning the character of Captain Carrot a funny animal superhero who was a rabbit only now he will be a, what was it, quote unquote horror-mongering drunkard rabbit um, just what the world needs yes I would say something to parody it, but you, I don't even know how you do that now, it is true that Keith Giffen is involved in this, so I'm sure he's aware this is ridiculous. But even so, there comes a point where your parody becomes self-parody and you are the thing you hate. I, I feel this may have gone too far. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at Keith Giffen's like track record, you know, with the ambush bug and everything, I... I, well, I, I, know, I know he's a ludicrous... He does yeah. much ludicrous humor. I'm just sort of like... I feel like it's it's eaten itself almost to the point where it is the thing well, it parodies. That's, right. that's an appropriate image for him, yeah. Um, uh, but meanwhile, Jimmy Palmiotti has announced that despite adding Darwin Cook as a regular contributor, he is going to have to cancel his comics anthology, creator-owned comics, with its eighth issue. Um, it was kind of strange hybrid between um, different comics with creator-owned characters, new ones by different creators and like a lot of editorial content like articles and essays and things and um, fans just didn't look at it as a comic book and it where people were kind of confused about what it was and unfortunately the sales just weren't there even though I had some really amazing creators on it well once again if you look on Twitter uh, Palmiani was saying about how much work it was to put it out and I mean you know as a former and present magazine editor I mean it takes a village you know, to put out a magazine. And if somebody's trying to put out a magazine, and you know, a 64-page magazine with comics in their spare time, you're not going to have much spare time. Yes. Yeah, so, yes, yes, um, yes, you know, so I mean, I think part of it time. was also just, like, the fact that they were really putting out a nice package. And, uh, you know. That takes a lot of work. That took a lot of work, and, and it was did not pay off. Right. It. it did not, you know, yeah. It's understandable, but I have to admit, like, I am very into comics, and I, I may have have even seen this on the shelf, but I didn't know what it was. I have to I make the same uh, confession. I actually knew about it and sort of kept planning to get around to it, but 
didn't really. So, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I think you know, we're all guilty. Fairly here. guilty well, no, sitting I, I, here I as we read the, the eulogy I, to this uh, magazine. But, and uh, and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti is such a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I feel even worse. Don't so. feel guilty because I'm not really interested in a comics magazine. I just want comics. So you know, I probably like a lot of other people were just looking for a comic. And we're not interested in picking up a magazine. Do you know there was a, a, a item today on some blog, I think it was on iFanboy or somebody, where they were talking about how, uh, and just, you know, this is kind of a spinoff of our last uh, image item as well, that, you know, people talk more about what's going on behind the comics than they actually do the content of the comics, you know? I mean, yeah, well, like, like yeah. we we even here, I mean, you know, Kate, you read periodical comics, and, you know, I read, Every week. I read yeah. Saga when I get it. <laughs> That's yeah. like I rip through my stack and pull it out and sit down and stop what I'm doing. But, um, you know, I mean, I read mostly books, to be honest. and um, uh, Yeah, I tend to... Um, Prefer the book collections of comics uh, necessarily, but you know, well, we certainly try to get some content in. But mm-hmm. um, and, you know, as a trade news podcast, <laughs> well, I mean, we kind of have like to. Yeah, talk but about I mean, <laughs> we're hardly the only ones who do it. Everybody yeah. does. Everybody talks. Well, it seems that it's more so. One thing about the comics industry, I mean, people seem to want to know people the dirty interested. dealings behind the scenes. I mean, uh, more so than in the prose business. I mean, in the prose business, nobody cares. Nobody even knows who these people are. I know. It's only when they get on the internet and start randomly yelling at their yeah. fans that anyone notices they exist. It, even, in the, even with the, in the internet age, you can't, it's not like you, we, we know in comics. You cannot go online and find a whole bunch of people talking about the editors of the novel they're reading. Right. Nobody yeah. cares. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of the nature of this. Well, it's a combination of, like, you know, Tina Brown and, um, you know, Juno Diaz. I mean, it's like, you know, like the authors and the editors get so much attention. Yeah, that's true. Now, you'll talk about the the authors for sure, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, all of the business doings in the background. I think it's because comic, well, one, um, it's such a smaller industry that comics fans are always concerned that some dirty backroom dealing is going to kill their favorite book. Without a doubt, yeah. That's Uh, what they think. And also... Yeah, it's not. If you're if you're emotionally invested in your book and you know that this stuff could affect whether your book exists or not, you care. Um, but also, I think maybe it's because comic fans identify more strongly with the industry, and the industry identifies more strongly with the fans. And there's a much closer yeah, bond, without a it's, doubt. You yeah. just compare purely commercial Comic Con to Book Expo. Yeah. In terms of how they treat consumers, right. so obviously Comic Con is a consumer fair, right. and Book Expo is not. But well, that says something right there. Yes, and Book Expo is really going through conniptions, mm-hmm. trying to deal with the process of and even the fact admitting that fans want a to come handful in. of fans. So they, they and, and they're starting to, but you know, this is you know the 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 industry has sort of collectively broken out in hives over the issue. So, but the thing is, when you invite fans in, like the comic book industry is. Does then the fans come in and then they have their own they come, opinions? They come in big time and they let you know what they think. Yeah. So yes. anyway. Um, yes. Speaking of comics and fans, a comic that you may not be aware has large amounts of fans, but according to the uh, hit numbers on the article about this in Publishers Weekly, it sure looks like they do. Comics, <laughs> the comic line of Classics Illustrated. You know the, your favorite short stories and classic novels made into comic and graphic novel form is now coming to digital. It's coming to a line of Apple apps from um, Trajectory, a Massachusetts company, which is distributing comics in full color 
for from three ninety nine to one ninety nine for Classic yeah. Illustrated. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just jump in for a second because I kind of wrote all of these stories. Yeah, you, yeah. You can you can read the stories at publisherswiki.com slash comics, but. About really about a year ago, Trajectory actually got the rights because they had never been. This, these are the original Classic Illustrated comics, started yeah. in 1941 by Albert Cantor. Yeah. Uh, these are the original comics. Apparently, the digital rights were laying around. Nobody wanted them. Uh, this small company is really a digital publishing services and distribution and publishing outfit. They bought the rights because the uh, I talked to the publisher. He said, "I just love those comics when I was a kid." And uh, he's so, not the only one. He certainly is not. Them. Um, and uh, they released them essentially as downloadable apps. Um, you know, about a year ago. What he's coming back now is is, is taking on the uh, the digital publishing um, business model, where he's created an app. You th- by going through the app, you can buy all the issues. Uh, there's some marketing for future future issues. So you've kind of got your library, it really is your comics in an app model that you see in all the other comics apps. Yeah, because, I mean... As opposed to downloading each, uh, buying each idol. Well, in, I mean, it takes up so much space on your screen, and exactly. you, you have to dig through everybody else's comics. This way, Absolutely. if somebody likes one, then they can see all Absolutely. the others right there looking at them. But these are the original um, Classics Illustrated. There's about 123 uh, titles, and... Um, there, I mean, you can buy them now in another form, but if you want to buy them through the app, I think they launched, I forget what they launched, how many, about 30, and then they're going to be adding the rest of them, you know, each week. Yeah. And, they, and they're actually going to treat it like a publishing schedule. There'll be extra information. There'll be free stuff, too. So if you get the app, you actually get a pretty good value add. I wrote this story, uh, a very little story. I think I got over 300 likes um, Facebook likes. Well, you story. know, people love those kludgy old comics, <laughs> classics, and, illustrated. And There's know. something about them. It's like Jack Chick Tracks or Stanley and Jack Kirby. It's just the nostalgia factor about those. And then there's something about them people love. About, you know. it's, it's not just that. It's every kid who has to write a book report and hates reading is like, I, I need to find some way into the story so that I have some emotional connection to it. What the hell do so, I do? Classics Illustrated. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 600 yes. page so classic those, novel and every reducing single, it to a 23 page comic Every book. single <laughs> like was from an undergrad, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. <laughs> But, hey, it's uh, not that rare much a strategy, love, man. Much love to Classics Illustrated uh, from the new generation. Yes. Okay, and, and, and from some the old generation, yes. Steve Ditko... The elusive Steve Ditko speaks on the subject of Spider-Man, which he rarely speaks about. Uh, a fan from Midtown Comics managed to get a hold of his address and send him a fan letter and ask him what he remembered about designing Spider-Man's costume. And here is the letter. It's quite short. Dear Anon, my <laughs> work on Spider-Man was done in the early 1960s, underline 1960s. That was a long time ago to remember details, especially it was another comic book job. I've seen later reprint material they did that I don't remember doing. How far back can you accurately remember something if you're asked to remember it? Regards, Steve Ditko. It's um, a nice note from a, yeah, you know, I mean, from a nice living legend. <laughs> yeah, uh, And you know, he may have a point. I mean, it was indeed a very long time ago if unlike, say, Stan Lee, you don't enshrine it in your memory as an object of love, but instead just one of those things you did, then it it might not live on in great detail. Who knows? Yeah, and that's true. Um, you know, really, it's, this is yet another uh, 
peculiar tale in the in the ongoing yes. mystery and mystique of Steve Ditko. Uh, you know, uh, he 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 exists in our mind as just a, a giant riddle, and I think that's the way he likes it. And yeah. why not? Yes, and exactly. And, and, and he will he'll he'll always be a riddle, and he's just as great <laughs> in his riddledom. So, okay, so. And on that point, we will segue to cool books to check out. Yes. yes. All right. And we've got one here today, and it's just an extraordinary book. We're probably going to have a fist fight after this thing about, Actually, you know, before, who wants to get a hand on it. Before our podcast, there was much heated discussion. Yeah, because I was waiting for the book to come in, yeah, and well, because I had to go take my sick cat to the vet, Calvin got it first. Because, a custody Because Calvin's ensued. always here, and he's always got his eye on the books. Anyway, The Cursed Pirate Girl by Jeremy A. Bastian. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this book other than to say to buy it. It's beautifully designed. The drawings are extraordinary in this sort of retro style that seems to take you back to, you know, storytelling from the 1800s. Uh, it's a, it is indeed about a, a young pirate girl going off to sea, um, fighting mythical monsters and having adventures. Um, the art is just beyond extraordinary. The, everything about this book is really incredible. It reminds um, me of kind of like a cross between Charles Vess and Castle Waiting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's really yeah. like... I mean, yeah. I've been a fan of Cursed Pirate Girl since uh, the creator, Jeremy Bastian, was self-publishing it. And uh, I, I had forgotten, but uh, Calvin reminded me he did a kick, Kickstarter for it. And Archaea has published yes. this collection. And, um, you know, because they raised a good amount of money on Kickstarter. So this book is just... You know, this should be under the tree... Of every young pirate fan, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, um, it's not it's on our graphic novels as gift list, but it should, it should be. have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like I, I, I saw this book. Jeremy had an advanced you know, copy when I saw him, Don't and worry, we'll take it from and him. I added a star to the listing, and uh, so I, you know, I'm going to, and uh, even the pages, it has like scalloped pages, oh, like edges, like edge. the, deckle yeah, edges. deckle edge, I mean, like the they used to. Is just and, beyond uh, beautiful. It's, it's, we're all just sitting here, like just going bizarre. <laughs> Zirk over it's, this comic, it's but standing it right in front of us, and we're just looking yeah. at it. It's but long. but uh, creator it's, it's Jeremy, yeah, creator Jeremy Bastian is, uh, you know, he's super talented. He's also very slow. He just had a couple art shows at, in conjunction with the re- detail, release of the book. I mean, if you go to his, uh, I think he has a Tumblr site where he does sketches. I mean, he's just mad, crazy, he's been talented. Seven years, I think. It yeah. So I mean, it's, it's yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's called Cursed Pirate Girl. It's published by Archaea. It's by Jeremy Bastian. It's out this month, now? and it's out. It's just. Summer. came out and uh, you should look for this just book. Buy just buy it, it as a buy gift. A of buy it as a gift it's for anybody who likes old pi- books about pirates will love it's this just book. Extraordinary. So, you know, Archaea has another book which I haven't seen the physical copy of, but uh, it's also, I'm sure it looks as good. Calvin and I saw the French version of it, it and now it's called The Last uh, Oh Yes, The Last Days of an Immortal. It's a French pickup, oh, yes. and it's really cool in that they these uh, French creators took uh, mid-century science fiction art and did a whole comic about it, and it's it's kind of drawn in this googly uh, Boris Artsebyshev style, and uh, kind of picks up on a lot of themes that you know Isaac Asimov and Robert Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke of you know they're, they're basically in the future humans are immortal because they can create echoes of themselves, but every time they do, they lose their messages, their memories. It's kind of like Gattaca, except it's drawn. Like our Boris Artsebyshev did it, so it's really super cool. Anyway, Last Days of an Immortal, also from Archaea. And you know, Archaea had some business problems earlier in the year, but they're definitely back and yeah. really glad to hear it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, their books are as extraordinary as ever. 
Yeah. They really are. So, but there's more to come. There is more to come. And tune in next time for our year-end-holiday special. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. We're oh going to load it up for you. It's going to be a two-hour extravaganza. Okay. We, maybe. Maybe. No, we'll maybe. see. Oh, well. <laughs> there well, a lot to cover, you guys. It's a little holiday exaggeration, mm-hmm. a little holiday hyperbole, but uh, you, you're going to get your, your money's worth for our latest free broadcast. Yes. So, all right. Until <laughs> all then, right. more to come. Oh, always more to come.